Hello and welcome to episode 46 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. We are happy to be back in the friendly confines of Shoulder to Shoulder Studios with the entire S2S pod fam here. Chris and I are joined by Christian back from his Oaxacan birthday adventures. Welcome back, sir. Thank you. So happy to be back. I missed you guys. I didn't have a a place to vent after the last match of the season, but I'm glad we're having this last podcast in regards to the season and miss you guys i don't know what you're talking about the last game i remember is us beating the galaxy and then the season magically ended i don't i don't, I don't remember anything else happening i mean that's the last one i was at the bank i and don't i don't think there's very many people that haven't have had an opportunity to vent yet i think a lot of people are still trying to come to terms it, yeah pretend like it hasn't happened really? it's uh frustrating clearly i'm least. in the boat of it never happened yeah um, <laughs> but it did our season is over mls cup this weekend in which the sounders will take on toronto the matchup everyone was rooting for all season long so that's going to play out however it plays out we'll hope to see you guys i will be uh at the d9 clubhouse there in north hollywood if anyone wants to come uh, watch the finals with us you're please welcome to come and join us you can always follow us here at the show at LAFCS2S. Uh, head to the website, shoot us an email, or set us up any questions you have on social media. If uh, you want to have ask us some questions for the offseason, you have some ideas for what we should banter about or that interview we should go after, let us know. But what we'd like to do today is to reflect on the amazing season that we had. We won a supporter shield at our first piece of silverware. We smashed records. Vela on an incredible tear, just so many, so many things we were blessed to have experienced, not only on the pitch in the product, but culturally in the stands and around the team as well, too. So we wanted to take this episode to try and cast a positive light on some of the things that we've all experienced in the course of season two. And uh, as one of my favorite musicians, uh, Mr. Roger Klein says, sing about the dawn in the heart of darkness. So here we are, boys. Let's let's talk about this amazing season that we've had and some of your takeaways. Obviously, I think that uh, we definitely built off of where well, all the progress that we had made last year. And so I think in that in itself that we could look at our season as a successful one, right? As long as your newest, your recent season is more successful than your previous season, it's a good season. Having things like the Supporter Shield and the record-breaking um, goals and Carlos Velo with his MVP and the Golden Boot. Those are also things that make a great season. Um, but I think when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of how do you evaluate a season, I think that just the simple fact that we were able to take a lot of our core guys from last year, we saw them improve in their skill set and how they play as a team. And I think that it was those things that are like – things that I want to look forward to in the following seasons is just seeing how this team continues to grow. My take on it is years before the stadium was built, we, you know, had just had a logo. It's basically when me and my wife chose to be part of this team. And we never thought that within two years of the team being in the league, it would be, or the team would have progressed this far, this quickly. So I, I was away, which probably helped to kind of cope with this and also allowed me to think about how far the team has come and all the great memories that we've had over the last couple of years, the great friendships, the great relationships we've built uh, with the supporters, the fans and the front office and, you know, an opportunity to interact with the team in different ways. So that's kind of my positive take on it. Was there some 
thing left on the table or some to be left desired because the team has so much potential and proved over the course of the season that they were the best team. And on a one-off, they had an off night and lost and maybe got some things wrong that they could have improved on or done better. Yes, but I didn't kind of sign up for this, um, feeling like within two years we would have a championship. I thought it was going to be a longer road. It just, I think it, it feels this bad only because we were this close, right? And on paper, the better team, but, you know, Football is this way. You can never predict the game when you have to perform. And one team was better on that night, and that's a, that, that, that's that's how it goes. I'm happy that I got to leave on a good note, and we beat the cross town rival. That that that's kind of my send off the day before my birthday. And then across I, a couple towns, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, we we got over the hump in terms of last year. We progressed further, just to Chris's point, and it is successful in comparison to last year. But obviously, we all wanted a different trophy. But we got some trophies, and our our best player got got the recognition he deserved, and we got the supporter shield because we were the best team in the regular season. Um, and I think next year we'll take another step as a team core. Hopefully, stays together, and Bob continues to develop the skill set. But I think the mentality has gotten better year over year. So I think there is a last step that hopefully we can get through next year. I think when all of us signed up to be LAFC fans, at least those of us like us here in this room who agreed to be an LAFC fan before we had a player, you know, we had, you know, merely a crest at that point in your case. None of us were prepared for a team that is as good as what we saw this year. Right. I mean, as, you know, someone who had, you know, roots in Chivas USA, like I was expecting to cheer my heart out for a losing squad for many years. I thought it would take us years to build up to the point where we were competitive and in the conversation of MLS Cups. Now, we'd seen what Atlanta United had done, and there was hope there, and we wanted to replicate that. But that was, frankly, a lot of talk until we put a product on the field. And to say that in our second season, we smash a points record, we smash a goal differential record, we have a golden boot and an MVP for Carlos Vela, those things were not things any of us thought were realistic in our first two seasons five years ago when this club was formed. Right. So the fact that we've hit these accomplishments is a really astounding thing to have done in such a short amount of time. It is bittersweet because we knew we had the ability to do something bigger. Um, but it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's leaving that prize for next year, I suppose. Our first playoff match this season was so such a, a monumental game for us, right? Like this is one of those games that people will probably never forget. You know, the first time we beat the Galaxy. Do you think it means less now because we lost the next game? Nope. No. Be well, if you lose that game, then it's an epic failure. So. Well, no, right. But I'm saying, though, you know, when we beat the Galaxy, it was, I mean, that was like uh, so the highlight. Uh, you would say probably the highlight of some people's seasons that thus far. To have such a high, a high point to then such a low point, does that then make your high point not seem merely as high? You know? I'm just saying to go from one spectrum to the other in a matter of four days. No, I, I, you know, to me, that win against Carson meant so much. It stands outside of the realm of just one season. You know, when we look back 20 years from now, we'll think about that first Carson victory in a way that is completely independent from the results of the 2019 season. 
We'll think about it in terms of the cultures between the two clubs and the history of this rivalry. And its historical significance is nothing to do with the 2019 MLS Cup winner. I don't know, though. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but it, I, I would think that like in 10 years from now, right, like we would have then played 10 years worth of derbies and who knows what the wins loss record would be like. But then to think, you know, I, I just think that like in other teams, right, like, for example, the Dodgers, right? You know, the Dodgers had a series against the Yankees, right? And they could, and that's been a historical rivalry or the series against the Angels. And it's like, do you remember who won that game? Who won the rivalry game between the, the Angels and the Dodgers? No. But you remember that they lost in the playoffs when they were the heavy favorite against the Nationals. You know what I'm saying? And it was one of those things where in 10 years from now, are, are people going to look back at the 2019 season and say, oh, that was the year that we beat our crosstown rivals for the first time? Or is it going to be like, oh, that was a year that we actually could have had our first MLS championship and we fell short? Well, I think to what you're saying, when people look at 2019, then you're going to talk about not winning a cup. Yeah. When, when, you, when you say, think about 2019. But when you say, think about the history of the rivalry between LAFC and Galaxy, then those moments like you know, that playoff win at the bank are going to stand out as independent moments. It really depends on perspective. And I think... Through the prism of the rivalry, that game is massive. Through the prism of culture and club and everything that we, you know, so proudly love about LAFC, that game is massive. But if you're looking at it just from the tell me about 2019, you know, I think the loss against Seattle is probably going to stand out as, as one of the bigger moments in that season. I don't even know if it's going to be later in 10 years, you're not going to remember who beat us. It's us losing that season. Right. right. Um, but to <clears throat> to me, being in the in the stands that game, I don't know, and I hope there's a game that tops that in terms of feeling and atmosphere because that was electric to be in that stadium. And it was punch to counterpunch to counterpunch to punch to counterpunch. It was eight-goal thriller. The national media that doesn't even talk about soccer was talking about it in the morning shows sports center everywhere across all kind of sports talk so i think that is a highlight for me in terms of an experience this season and a feeling um all kinds of people were there um from the soccer culture national media podcasters etc it's gotten way more attention than the mls cups getting right now exactly the lead up to that game was way bigger on a national media perspective than the lead up to the MLS Cup has been from yeah. what I've experienced. And I mean, I think, well, Jonathan was the only one at the Sounders match. And it, it's a good and bad thing. I, I, at least this is how I feel that I was, wasn't there, excuse me, because I would have probably been as deflated as most of the fans that were there. I, I was obviously abroad um, trying to watch the game. One of the things that did feel comforting for me, and I know we were talking slightly or uh, briefly before this, is there was LAFC fans in Mexico, which is crazy. Um, and it was being covered in Mexico, obviously, because of Carlos Vela. Um, and the next day, there was a somber kind of tone, even in Mexico, that LAFC didn't perform and ended up losing because everyone was looking forward to having LAFC and Vela in the final because he's, you know, Mexican national. Um, but just the fact that in the airport in Mexico City and Oaxaca, there was people wearing the gear and like immediate like nodding of the head and just almost friendship because of the hat and the jersey. That did happen. That was kind of crazy to me that that's translated. Um, so 
you know, I didn't get to see these people later on that evening when when they lost when, when LAFC lost, but um, I did feel like um, if you ask in ten years what you're gonna remember, I think you remember both things. One, that's the first time they beat the Galaxy. The second, they didn't make it to the final. They lost when they were expected to be the best team in the season. Yeah, it was. I mean, but like Jonathan said, this is this is sport. This is football. This is you know. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I'm proud of the team. I'm proud of the supporters. I'm proud of the fact. I know that maybe the national media of Seattle isn't happy that you couldn't hear the celebration or the announcements of the cup. But our our fans didn't leave. Our supporters didn't leave. They chanted through it, and then they continued that after the fact. Um, you know, when you win and when you lose, you gotta celebrate the same way. So um, I appreciate the support and the solidarity that there has been post the lost um and everyone's still you know up for it and now there's a buzz about the CONCACAF Champions League and you know we're all looking forward to to that next step because we did so well that we are uh, warranted this opportunity to potentially make a international splash if we can take this next competition which I'm hoping we do singing is what the north end does it's what we do from the time we get in the stadium until the time we leave the stadium and we were not about to let our season end with their celebration ceremony quieting us. that That's not what the culture of the 3252 is about. It's not an intent to be disrespectful to the Sounders, and anyone who viewed it as an intent to be disrespectful, that's, that's a misinterpretation. You know, this was our last chance as a family to sit there and do what we do together, which is sing. And, and part of the entire fabric of the ideology that binds the 3252 is this concept of singing for 90 plus. And that from the second we get into that stand till the second we leave it, we're going to be singing for LAFC. Cantamos en las buenas y malas. Whether we win or whether we lose, we are going to be singing through the good times and the bad. Um, you know, and that's what it's about. It was not intended to be, you know, purposefully disrespectful to Seattle. That's That's not what it was about. But, you know, let's leave that game behind us. Let's move on to our discussion of the season as a whole, a season that was overwhelmingly positive um, and really some great things to take away from it. So I got a couple ideas I want to bounce around off you guys, and then we'll kind of quickly preview the offseason before we call it a show. But looking back on this historic season that we've had, boys, what was your best moment of the season? Um... I'm gonna say it's a tie between uh, opening opening day of 2019 because I missed opening opening day of of last year, um, and so to 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 go to the bank, uh, you know, after weeks and weeks, months of not having, uh, you know, LAFC being able to watch a game, and then you know, to, to come together and see old friends and stuff like that. I thought that the very first game was significant to me. Um, and I'm going to say the last game of the regular season when all the records were broken. I think that that, um, to me, that, that game was one of those ones that I'll, I'll never forget. That to me is like, a uh, the game where we went to Seattle for the first game or when, the bank 
hosted its first match against Seattle. You know, I think that it's on that level for certain people. And I'm, and I missed both of those two games against Seattle. So for me, I have a game that's like that where it's, it was just electric and I'll never forget it. And Carlos getting the hat trick and the final score, you know, and, and all the records, you know, for me, it was, um, when we finally clinched the supporter shield, um, finally getting the first piece of silverware, um, being at the match, doing it at home, doing it via a win at home. I thought that was um, a good culmination of the so season. What was, but what was the moment, though? Was it when the whistle blew and the game ended? Was it yeah. when the shield went up in the air and the cannons went off? Was it when a Twesta hit that free kick goal and the game was guaranteed at that moment? Um, you know, what was the moment in that game when you know, you, you feel like you hit the peak. I think, I guess when the whistle blew, it became a reality. I, like, to your point, I did feel like the free kick from the left side of the pitch, uh, from Atuesta sealed it, but it, it wasn't real until that whistle blew. Right. Um, in two years, we got a piece of silverware. Not all teams can say they've done that. Uh, like I said, I didn't expect for it to be this kind of journey, you know, signing up for something where, there's literally just a crest, no coach, no stadium, no players. Um, and then the recent journey of the pod, um, progressing my fandom from last year to this year into a different outlet. Um, and then almost like the team validated the energy that everyone put in from the stadium um, with uh, an actual trophy. That's that's when I felt like, Wow. You know, we're on the brink of that next match where we we break all the records, and then after that, we get the you know guaranteed seed. So for me, I, that sealed that that next follow, following dominoes were on the brink of falling, and we almost you know did everything this year. Um, so that's at least why I felt like that moment was the biggest moment for me this season. Yeah, I mean, to me, I mean it's. It's kind of hard to pick between some of my favorites. The Atuesta goal that sealed the shield, the Dio goal where he runs through the galaxy to score our fifth, where we knew that the game was locked in at that point. You know, from a performance on the field standpoint, those were incredible moments. But, uh, you know, for me, I, I have to kind of go a little bit more personal with this one. Um, when Mandy and I got to do flag ceremony and we walked past, uh, you know, that section of the north end that holds D9U and you know, Mandy and I were actually supposed to do the flag ceremony at her first game at the bank. Um, but because she was still in a wheelchair then, they wouldn't let the wheelchair on the grass, you know, for the same reason that we stopped bringing the, you know, the L, the A, the F, and the C with the flames on top out onto the field. The wheels create grooves in the pitch and it changes the game, right? So the wheelchair wasn't allowed to go out on the grass. So we weren't allowed to do flag ceremony for her first game. But once she was finally strong enough to be able to walk, and we could go out and do that whole ceremony at the beginning of the game. Just just that moment when we passed in front of D9 and looking up at all those people. And, and that moment to me was was amazing. Ah, just just astounding. You know, I mean, so much had gone into the culmination of that feeling, those emotions that we were going through in that moment. And, you know, to see guys like Julio and Ray and Mauricio and all these people in the D9 that, uh, you know, have been with me through that experience for them to, to you know, kind of applaud and cheer for Mandy as she was going by it was really, really an amazing moment, which ties me into my next question, which was, you know, obviously Mandy's first game at the bank was 
my favorite game, period, in LAFC history, uh, and definitely my favorite game of the season. But would you agree that if Supporters' Shield was your favorite moment of the season, does that make it your favorite game, or do you have a different moment as far as a game of the season? It's a different moment, and you know, kind of piggybacking to your personal story, it was my grandpa's 89th birthday, and I was able to take almost 40 people. It was like 35 people, and it was the Galaxy game, regular season at home, where we had to come back and should have won, but we ended up drawing. But that was an entertaining game, the back and forth. My grandpa basically squeezing every bit of passion left inside of him, standing up and screaming and chanting and, you know, taunting, along with my sisters and my dad, mom, and some of my best friends. I had a culmination there of college friends, childhood friends, family, um, and my grandfather um, being able to share Probably some of the last games I'll be able to do that with him. That was great. And the love he received from Christmas Tree Lane, walking through there, everyone, you know, high-fiving them. So that game is probably my favorite game for that reason because there's all these other little components before, during, and after the game that had nothing to do with what was going on the field and everything to do with what we're feeling in the stands together. So, okay, while the last game of the season meant a lot to me, especially because it was, you know, uh, as my son has gotten older, the more often that I take him to games, the more he's involved, the more he's watching, the more he recognizes players and he cheers for goals and he sings the chants, you know. To the um, videos of your son singing chants gets me every time. It's the most adorable thing ever. So good. While, so yes, that, that last game of the season when Carlos broke all the records, that is a, a big game for me. Something that I really enjoyed were the other games, and I guess it, I, I, it's like I can't pick one, but it's it's all the games where we, as a team, were, um, as fans, we were pointing out, you know, accentuating things like when we had ladies' night or when we had petty officer, uh, Renee, Renee uh, come and he, you know, I like that kind of stuff. I'm like a sap for that, dude. I see those like welcome home surprise videos and like. Like it's just opening up the floodgates, right? So it's it's things like that, you know, like uh, LAFC Juan's birthday, you know, when he got to go out on the field and stuff like that. Like those, those are the games that that mean things to me because it just shows the community associated with this club. Yeah, if I had to give an honorable mention to best game, our road trip to San Jose, that was an awesome game as well too. So sick. That bus so ride, there and back, there, just taking over. That was a home game. That was you know, definitely something I will always remember and hope I can remember everything, too. Do you think San Jose next season is going to limit the number of tickets that uh, they allow the supporter sections to have together? 100%, but it doesn't matter. We'll still buy them. We're still gonna get I know, there. but what I'm I mean... They tried doing it this year. Yeah. I mean, they mess with the game clock. My, I think... My favorite part of that whole thing was, you know, they have that giant, giant drum that's mic'd up, and they had that guy there, like, banging on the drum in order to try and get their fans going, and we were so loud, he literally stops and looks over at, like, their program director, whoever it was, and he just kind of holds his hands up, gestures towards the 3252, and then looks back, and they just gave up beating their giant, ridiculous drum, and, like, just the sound of us fans with no instruments, mm-hmm. you know, we're able to to completely drown out their giant microphone drum. I mean, that was that was that was a pretty awesome moment as well, too. 
So, all right, guys, what about your best performance of the season? What does that go to? As in best individual player performance or Correct. the best, per, like the most notable? Best game performance from a player. So we have to think of a game that they played that way in? I mean, or just, you know, I mean. A, a, okay. Uh, I, I don't know if this is the, ans- the, the answer to your question, but I, I will say this. Like, we've known Carlos Vela as our star, and we expect big things from Carlos, right? So for Carlos to have the season that he did, it's extraordinary. But at the same time, too, you're like, it's not so far-fetched. It's not so, like, unbelievable that Carlos is the best player in the MLS because we know that Carlos is a great player, right? Somebody who played very well this season, and I feel like it, it it's just blown me away, is Edward Atuesta. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, and I, I think that there are some people that are probably not too happy with Atuesta because of how he played against Seattle, but I think that overall, if you look at some of the goals that he's had from place kicks outside the box over the season, uh, you know, the the role he played in the midfield. I mean, we could tell from the beginning of the season he was, like, taking on an aggressive defensive midfielder. And I I just think that Atuesta had a great season, especially compared to what we saw from him last year. He had a breakout season. I, I think you're right. Maybe he didn't have the last final game, but the body of work this year was leaps and bounds in comparison to last year. So... I think he was second or best or third best player this year. Mm-hmm. For me, also in the midfield is Latif. To me, he not only did he change his position, he cemented his spot in the starting lineup as a central midfielder, which is not what anyone had ever seen him play. And that's not easy to do. And he is like 5'3", five, 5'4", five, and going up against some of the biggest, strongest guys in the league, but he is so quick, so agile, so technically savvy, aware that he can wiggle himself out of tackles when he has a ball and get himself into tackles and somehow come out unhurt most of the time. I know that he, he suffered an injury in the last game, but it, it's it's just it's extraordinary for me to see this guy pound for pound, probably one of the best players in the league, and very selfless role in the way he plays and the way he hustles. So to me, he was kind of like the people's champ. I think like he was kind of the soul of the team at times. And he had some of his better performances in the bigger matches. I think he kept LAFC in that first home game this season with against the Galaxy. If it weren't for him and his performance, everyone else knows was not playing well. And he was able to stick a couple goals in. Um, and you can see how deflated he was at the end because we didn't win, even though we didn't lose. So... Well, for you? I, I'm... Favorite performance of the season was the D.O. brace against Carson to seal that game. Because in retrospect, we go, oh, we scored five goals, we crushed them. But, I mean, that game was in the balance. D.O. comes in, boom, boom, game over. I mean, for him to be coming back from his behavioral health issues, his mental health issues, he got himself right. He comes back to the team. He gets subbed in, and he absolutely changed the game when he came on that performance what that game meant to me as a fan you know something that's bigger than just this season like we talked about you know that was the moment for me uh, as far as performances go Uh, and that goal that he finished it off with you know running through their entire team you know arguably one of the goals of the season which brings us to our next question goal of the season so i'll kick it off for me it's a piece of cake it's vela's road cone goal when he just ran through the entire team and put it in the back of the net and then i mean 
that was my goal of the season. Although there are a couple for me that are that are right up there along with it. You know, I mean, if I had to give honorable mentions, the Atuesta goal that takes the shield, that was such a great free kick. And then, you know, Zimmerman, that one goal he had that took the slight deflection and then just hooks top right corner in order to win that game were, were, were sort of my contenders for it. But but ultimately, Vela just putting on a show was, was my goal of the season. So what was your goal of the season, boys? Mine was a Houdini. The Houdini? Yeah, because, well, I was I sit in the southwest corner, so he was literally coming towards that goal, right? And I remember specifically standing up at the moment that he did the dummy, and it just felt special. I remember thinking, I was like, this is something. And I didn't realize or think that he was going to take the remaining four defenders, including the keeper. Um, but it just felt like this intricate play was going to happen just because of the spacing and how they broke open that midfield. But when he does a the dummy and he gets that one-two from Rossi and then he just ghosts like three players easily without missing a step um, and then literally just hitting the brakes a yard from the goal, allowing the defender to basically do the splits and just chipping it over that foot where he has the entire other side open. To me, it was just... You know, so much flavor and sauce. I, I just can remember, like I said, standing up and then looking over at everyone around me. And another thing I remember is like incrementally after each person he took, there was more and more people standing up until where everyone was standing and he's literally in front of the goal and chipping it in. So same with you, honorable mentions. Another goal I remember, it was the curler at San Jose where he literally just turns around and opens up his hands. I remember living that with the 32-52 in that corner uh, stand, it was it was just a crazy, crazy feeling. And um, those are probably my top two goals of the season. Hard to pick a third because there were so many good moments, and I think you chose two really good ones, um, including the one that was your best moment, which was the, the deal final goal in the playoff derby. For me, I would say that uh, my favorite goal was the record breaker. That was true Carlos fashion, you know? And I also feel like the one that was after the record breaker, the bicycle kick, you know, like, and they were, they were so close together too in time frame that I, you know, the bicycle kick one, poof, that one was a crazy goal. Yeah. But, um, and then for me, one of the goals that sticks out in my head as an honorable mention that I really enjoyed was the, uh, Christian Ramirez goal where he uh oh, under the free wall. kick under the wall, under the wall. yeah, yeah that's true so many so many goals that you forget about that one that was good that was a great that was one cheeky yeah that was a great one all right so i want to transition now into a little bit of off-season talk so what i want to do is we're going to run through the roster and i want you guys to tell me do you think this person is going to be with us next year would you sell would you keep and and what are you know your sort of ratings for them on the season so we're going to run alphabetically through the team so we'll start with a twesta keep sell and how do you rate them is this someone that you would protect in your 12 spaces that you have to protect from the expansion draft so that's what i want to know do you expansion draft protect how do you rate them and would you sell them or keep them? I'm just letting you I'm just letting all of our fans out there know I'm terrible at rating players. So don't yeah. <laughs> what is, is this out of a hundred out of ten? Let's let's put a rubric together. I guess out of ten. Let's out make 10. it out of ten. Okay, out Less of 10. numbers. Okay. Yeah, I think just traditional player ratings out of ten. Okay. 
Um, are, are we doing like number, like point yeah. decimals? Or are we just doing no, solid? You, 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 <laughs> we'll, we'll go to the nearest no. half point. We'll, I'll go. give you half points. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we'll start with with Atuesta. All right. I'd, I'd obviously keep them, protect them, and I'd give them a seven point five. Wow. See, this is why I'm saying I don't know how to rate players because I'm like, I was like, oh, I could get like an eight and a half, nine. I was like, I don't know, but uh, so I mean, I'm not. You know what? I'm not even. You know what? I'm not gonna even rate players. I'm just gonna tell you if I'd want to protect him or not. Far away. So, uh, uh, yeah, keep him, protect him. He'll be with us next year. Hundred percent. Keep protect. You wouldn't sell him. Not sell high on him right now. No. Even though we have, I mean, some midfield options. You could you know bring Win back. You got Vassell. No, I, I like I would I want to keep him because I feel like Win is getting a little little older. You know, Mark Anthony K is a solid midfielder. Latif is a solid midfielder, and I just don't I I don't like the idea of selling a player when we don't have a automatic backup alternative. I it's uh, you know to me. A bird, my my one of the models I live by. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Amen. Um, I agree. I, I would keep and protect, but I do plan on selling him after next season oh, personally. Yes, but I think I think his best season with us is going to be next year. I think we've seen flashes of that. We've seen development, yeah. but we haven't seen him peak. I think to sell now would be to sell low. Yeah. Um, and I think one more season and his value could double or triple if he continues to progress at where he's at. So I would absolutely protect him with one of my 12 slots, uh, keep him on the roster uh, with the intent of selling in the 2020 to 2021 offseason. Yeah. I agree with you. He's going to come back with a chip on his shoulder. Lamar Batista. Did he even play? Uh, not really. So I wouldn't protect him. I haven't seen enough of him. I think he's a good prospect, but you know, if there's an opportunity to make good on your uh, on your investment then you let him go yeah no i mean he's not protected and uh you know i think give him an opportunity to grow yeah he he does have a lot of potential though i think he i think he has some of the attributes of danilo but without the experience um because he does have a good touch he has a good size but i think he's still young in terms of his body he's not developed he's so young that he doesn't have the strength. He hasn't built out that body. And I don't think he needs more reps, basically. It's okay, kind of so we had two pretty easy ones out yeah. the gate there. Yeah. Uh, I think obviously no one's going to take one of those 12 slots and give it to Lamar. Nope. Beta sure. Well, you know what? I think if we're going to talk, well, before we yeah. decide, I think we really should like decide on who our 12 are because it's, I mean, you know, you can, you know, it's it's one of those things where Beta sure is going to be a cusper on whether you protect him or not, but it's also going to be based on the other players, the other. 12 or 11 that we're going to protect, right? Yeah. Like some of them are easy. Carlos, we're going to protect. Diego, we're going to protect unless we sell him before we have to protect him. I think you have to decide whether you protect him before you sell him. Because oh. it's a January transfer window. You have to protect the player before then. Okay. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. then you, so right. So it's like, so we'll protect Carlos, protect Diego. Protect. Okay. So give me, give me your 12. Far away. Give me your 12. Yeah. Let's do that. Uh, all right. Let me do you want me to read through the roster? Let me pull up a roster. Yeah. I'll pull up a roster right I'm now. A, I'll go off memory. Um, protect Vela, Rossi, Rodriguez, Dio, Atuesta, Latif, K, Zimmerman, Segura, um, Blackman. Is that ten? Got two more. Cheeky. 
What was the last one? Did you get all three D's? Notable option. I did. I did. I mean, so you've left off people like Yakovich, El Munir. You've left off the Perezai. <laughs> you've left off any of our goalkeepers. No, you said Cisniega. No, I didn't. I said Segura. Oh. You've oh. left off um, up-and-comers like Vassell. You've left off Fito Zelaya. You didn't do either of our pod fam brethren of Beta or Harvey. I, I still am okay with all those decisions. All right, I'm just, uh, just reading yeah, through yeah, what yeah, what yeah, the yeah. notable exceptions I see. Yeah, I have to I have to say right now I'm a hundred percent on board with your eleven. Yeah, I just I completely agree with the eleven you have right now. Yeah, I, I to me it's you know we have to protect one of our keepers and I don't know which of the two honestly to protect and it would probably I'd probably on potential. And selling value, and also considering the salaries, I'd probably protect Cisniega because there's more upside in selling or not protecting Miller and potentially selling him um, because he's played, he has the stature of a, a number one on the best team in the league. So you probably get more return if you end up selling him. If you don't protect him, um, I guess his salary is lower, so that would be a knock against the salary cap for us. Did you say you would protect Dio? Yeah. I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll stick with Cisniega for now. Okay, so uh, let's... I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that that's what I agree with, too. So we said Latif, Dio, Rossi, Vela, Atuesta, K, Rodriguez, Blackman, Palacios, Segura, Zimmerman, and then a goalie. Right, mm-hmm. that's that's what we. Yeah, that's what I did. Right, you don't have to do that. No, but let's see. I mean, wow. So on the chopping block, you've left Fito Zelaya, Peter Lee Vassell, potentially Pablo Cisniega. You've left Javi, Adrian, and Josh Perez. You've left Lee Wynn out. You've left Dejan Djakovic out, Harvey out, Alejandro Guido. Mohamed El Munir, Philip Ejimadu, and who am I saying? Oh, Stephen Betashur, Lamar Batista. And I'll give you some of my thought processes not protecting our back-to-back pot brethren and win. I don't think teams come and swoop them in because they're very expensive players from a salary perspective. You don't think an expansion team out there would want someone like a Betashur on their team? That has that no, ability to organize they would, but defense. Th- their salary is a lot for a startup or someone that's in the expansion. Draft. I could see, I could see, like, let's say we left off El Munir, right? I could see something, somebody like wanting El Munir uh, before they would take um, Harvey. Harvey. So right. I'm going to tell you right now, El Munir would be my choice for that last spot. Well, I also didn't pick a goalie. I didn't pick a goalie either. So you would go, you wouldn't save yeah. any of our goalies. We have three goalies. We're going to be left with at least one, right? Well, um, actually, we'd be left with two because once you get – once somebody – Yeah, takes, I still think – I think there's potentially a sale involved there or – No, but what yeah. I'm saying is that like in the draft, right? You get so – let's say that the one player that they take from our roster is one of our goalies. We would still have two. two. Yeah, you're right. Because they can't – you can't get more than one player taken. Right, right. I I don't think Miller and Cisneros are back next year. You think they're both gone? No, he's saying we keep one only. 
That's what he's saying. Oh. No, I think they're both gone. I think Edgemondu really? becomes our reserve, and I think we go out and get a new starter. What? Yep. What I, think, you... I think one of them will get taken in the draft, and I think the other will be sold. All right. Bold prediction. Why? I like it. Why? Because I, I don't think the club has seen enough to, out of either to make them the primary. And I think it's it's one of those things. I mean, the the opportunity right now to sell high on Cicinego or Miller, um, while they're you know looked upon right now as up and comers, um, I think is is getting your good value on both of those players right now. I'm not so convinced that one more season of Miller is going to increase his value, and I think right now Cicinega is seen as a very high prospect. And I'm not so convinced one more year as being a backup is going to change that value dramatically enough to warrant keeping him. No, but if you were to, I could see. A... I think Cicinega is going to get taken in the draft, and I think we're going to get left with Miller, and we sell Miller. No, I I think that we're going to protect Cicinega. I agree, and, and that I think that Miller might get taken in the draft, or Miller could potentially get traded uh, or sold, yeah, or sold. But I I don't. I think that the flashes that we've seen of Cisniega and the big game stops. I think that that's what he's this... got some skill for sure. He's good. So he's I, good. I think that that's what the club is looking for. And plus, I think Pablo is is happy here. I yeah. think he enjoys living in LA. I think he enjoys, uh, you know, playing with Carlos and and the other players. And I I don't I don't think Pablo's going anywhere. To I... me, I just value El Munir above them. That's fair. Uh, that last point is fair. I, I don't think... If I had a 13th spot, I would give it to Cisniega over, you know, Vassell or Miller, which are, are basically the two that would be next in line in my book. Yeah. Um, uh, I I think, you know, I mean, I think that's that's those are the people that I would dangle out there just because we gave up so much to get Omunir. He's young. He showed incredible talent. He also had a Houdini goal this year that was That's you know, arguably right. one of the best that. goals yeah. of the season as well, too. And what about that stop that he had, too? I, I mean, I think wow. he was... I feel guilty of not like protecting him now, but um, I'm sticking I just, with my decision. My personal rating of El Munir, I think, is, is higher than most. I've seen a lot of really positive things from him in his yeah. performance, and I would really like to see him step into one of those outside back positions next year for us. I view him as part of the future for us. That's why we gave up so much to get him. Yeah, but uh, he and uh, Cheeky, he and Cheeky both play the tough. same position. I think if he Dude, doesn't get his face next broken, year. yeah, I know. But y- you if know, he doesn't it, break his face. It's his spot. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, you know, it's hard. That one is hard, right? Because we all agree that we're going to protect Cheeky. Oh, of course, you have to. But. And El Munir, they play the same position. They so do. I mean, El Munir is not. I mean, he's not someone that I see as some as like a as a backup. Well, you can't afford to play Palacios every game. I mean, so Chiki P is going to get some time on the pine. I mean, he, yeah, he can but, right. Well, so, no, but you. I mean, there's a lot of our players that that played. You know, thirty games this year. If we make it deep in Champions Cup next year, that's a lot of competitions. You almost need to have a full second roster that can perform. And El Munir is going to be handling those MLS games yeah. while Chiki P is going to be playing in Champions Cup games. I mean, you need some good talent. Yeah. I mean, it's it basically makes El Munir a starting player. And then, you know, look, if midseason you want to change when the summer window opens up and sell him off, then you get your value out of him at that point. I just, I just think that 
his skill set is more valuable than a keeper, I think you can always go out and use some of that money to get an older keeper that's coming out of Europe that's going to excel in the MLS. I think we have one of the best goalkeeping coaching units in the game. Um, and I really think we can have a young guy like an Ejimadu that can fill exactly the same quality we're getting out of a Cisniega as a backup. And I think we can go out and get, you know, a, a top line keeper that's, you know, coming out of Europe. Um, that's a little bit on in your personally. That's that's my thought on it. I, I will say this um, about Cisniega. I think he didn't get enough opportunities as a starter. I think his potential is better. His shot stopping ability um, has more upside. Um, so I would keep him. Um, the only thing that is a knock on him is his distribution, which is what Miller was better at than him. But pure shot stopping and I think confidence, he had that. Um, he made some really good stops. I just think didn't he didn't have the continuity that Miller did. Um, and, you know, Miller was playing well with the team. I think what stifled him, similar to El Munir and his injury, is him going off to the national team. He shouldn't, in retrospect, if he hadn't done that, I think he has a different ending to the season. Um, and if you think about it, like I'm looking at all the games that Pablo played in, four of his six games were when Tyler was gone. So, you know, plus some of those were U.S. Open Cup games and things like that. But um, you then say Pablo gets even less exposure because, you know, if Tyler didn't leave, who knows? Pablo might have only played twice in those right. four weeks. But to, to Jonathan's point, last year we have Champions League and then there's like the Campeon de Campeones, which is the, also the interleague cup games. Um, so there is going to be, and the Open Cup. So it's a lot of games. It's going to be a very congested schedule. Um, if we, if this year the arrangement was that many cup games with the two keepers, it would have been better because we would have had more insight into how both perform. Um, but I think, um, you know, I think we all agree almost, I guess, on 10. It's just we differ on the 11th player. 12. Yeah. We agree well, 12, on 11. 11. We, we yeah. disagree on, on the, the 12th player. You know, and we're going to have to worry about this for the next couple of years because there's all Well, no. Years. So if you lose someone this year, then you, you're you ineligible to have someone taken the following year. Yeah. Well, I mean, this all sort of is predicated by the fact that that's under the current bargaining agreement, which we might not even have an MLS uh, you know, next season. I mean, that's, that's sort of the big elephant in the room. That's we could true. see a lockout. We could see a strike. Um, you know, there could there could be something along those lines. I mean, hopefully not. Hopefully uh, cooler heads prevail. But, um, you know, I mean, I think the players have a lot they're asking for and ownership seems to be pretty unyielding in that regard. So uh, it does look like we're headed in that direction. So, um, so real quick, let's run through the rest of the team here and let's just go ahead and give some ratings real quick because we already decided who we're keeping and who we're going. Well, we so, I mean, we could decide if they're going to be on, on the squad next year. Yeah, okay. So yeah. do you think Tristan Blackman is wearing an LAFC kit next year? Yes. Yes. I thought I, pr- I protected him. Yep. Yeah. 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 Blessing, yes. Yes. I think we all rate him incredibly yeah. high. Yeah. Arguably one of the best midfielders in the game. Yes. Uh, I mean, I think there's almost a... He's on the cusp of making, you know, that top 11 league-wide. He's in my top 11 league-wide, but black and gold tinted glasses, of course. Yeah, I mean, I think he mm-hmm. lost out to what, Bradley um, in the in the overall 11. That's yeah. Yeah, that's an all right guy to lose out to, right? Dio's going to be back. We all rate him pretty high. Um, I don't aside know. From... I mean, you know, Dio doesn't play as much as he probably would like. 
He's not a consistent player, but he is a big game player. No, he is. And, I mean, you know, if he's comfortable with the role of being a super sub. But Which he seems to be. Yeah, well, I mean, at the end of the season, I don't know if I think he kind of understood, hey, I'm I was off for whatever it was, three weeks, four weeks. Well, I mean, you know, he also arguably had some of the biggest misses of the season when you look at his opportunity late in the home game versus Carson, in which he could have hit the game winner in that game. Same with New York. Uh, you know, the NYCFC away game, you know, in both of those cases, you know, cross comes across the box to him at far post and, you know, he isn't able to just tap the ball home in the empty net. I mean, so you know, yes, he won games for us, period. Uh, he had big striker moments and did big striker things. He brings a physical presence that we have obviously lacked as a team. Uh, our lack of physicality probably cost us this game versus Seattle and, and has arguably been our Achilles heel throughout the season is the inability to play physically. Dio brings some of that. Um, I mean, unless you're bringing in another enforcer-type body, I think you you have to have... Dio and K next season because those are the only two people that can get up and get physical with people. That's just not uh, uh, something the rest of the team seems to have in their toolbox. So. We're keeping him, and this is my prediction. He's our starting striker because we sell Rossi, and then Rodriguez is going on the left, and Fala back on the right. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. That's what's gonna we happen. We have to. We have to have an alternative, you know, because it's. What about Fido, man? Yeah. Fido's gonna be in there as your game changer late. Come on, man! Yeah. It's a lie of power. Uh, Papusa power? Yeah, no? I think it's going to happen, honestly. You think Fito is going to have yeah. a comeback and play? Yeah. I don't know. I think I mean, so. he was like... He was he injured was, a lot of the season. Yeah, but he... Uh, or what? It doesn't matter. We'll see. You can say what you think. I, You know, I, I don't know. I think that he's another one that's just like Dio. Like, I think they're both over 30, right? And... So is Vela. Okay. So, you look at... You look at Vela over thirty, and you, you you're not going to talk about Fito or July Dio. is thirty one. He'll be thirty two in July. Yeah, but you're not going to talk about them in the same breath as Carlos Vela. I didn't no. say that. I'm just no. telling you they're both over thirty. Yeah, and so is Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who's thirty nine. Some people yeah. can play at a high level in their thirties, and some people not. They still can't. I mean, I think there's a statement to be made that you know the likes of a Perez were brought in over Zelaya when we needed to bring in a striker late in the game. You know, him being sent to Las Vegas, some arguments that, you know, he wouldn't acquiesce to Bob's mentality and system. I mean, I think some of those things are are a little bit alarming, um, but who knows? I mean, who knows where his mentality's at yeah. if he comes around and decides he wants to be a part of those things? Or maybe he's sold. That's fine, too. No, it's not that he's sold. It's just the fact that I don't think that Fito is going to be our backup to Dio, and I've, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of Dio being a starter. I'm a huge fan of Dio being a sub that comes in after the 60th minute because of how well he does in the 30 minutes that he plays. When he starts, he's not nearly as deadly. Okay. And so I would like to have someone else be a striker that is our starter. Right. Who and else that, we got? But that's yeah, well that uh, nobody. No, I don't, I'm saying no. What who else is in this roster? Oh. I think I think I think uh, we all agree to disagree on this one. So, Ejimadu, I think we all agree that he's going to be back next year as a reserve I, keeper. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't know. He will. I mean, he we didn't see him either, you know? He's suited up plenty of times. He's just, you know, he's the, he's the third keeper. I, I Right. No, he suited he had up. some great when, games for Phoenix, who, yeah. I mean, they literally <clears throat> pulled an LAFC. They were the first seed and lost in the semifinals going into the final yeah. as well. You know, uh, Phoenix was... 
uh, in line, or at least was considered to be the best team, you know, going into the quarterfinals over there. And they ended up losing in the semis. And he had some great games for them. Um, you know, if you were following the rising at all, uh, up the rising, but yeah, um, yeah but we keep him because he's cheap. No, yeah, I agree, all. but and, I, and we're developing. There are a lot of people who think he is on par with Cisneros as far as you know his ability. Okay, um, you know, I so, haven't seen him practice. Right, I mean, play. So I, I'm just going. Yeah, my thing yeah. is that if he was on par with Pablo Cisneros, he we probably would have seen him in a game that didn't mean as much, and you know. I just think that we let Pablo show what he had. Why wouldn't we have seen what Philip yeah, had? Yeah, maybe you're uh, trying to increase his value as well, too. I mean, Ejimadu was good enough. Maybe he was good enough to, to get that starting mm-hmm. place in Phoenix. And, you know, they hadn't seen enough from Sissonega to trust a, a young kid with that, you know, much know. responsibility. I don't know. Who knows? I'm just, I, I, look knows? At, I look at a lot of, you know, how often they were in the 18, let alone in the starting 11, and how mm-hmm. many minutes they got. I think mm-hmm. that those are all indications of, where they're at in the depth chart. Okay, so that brings us to El Munir is next in the list. Now, I've obviously said that oh, yeah, you know, he's be- a person that that I rate highly and would want back. Uh, sell? Do you think he'll be back? I don't think we sell him. I think the only way that we lose him is if he gets picked in the expansion draft. Drafted? What was that? Uh, Sorry. Uh, El, Munir. El Munir. Yeah, I agree. I, I'd want to keep him. I didn't protect him in my draft, but I, I don't want him to go. That brings us to a person that I'm not entirely sure actually exists. His name is, I am told, Alejandro Guido. Uh, Guido? I don't Guido. know if Senor Guido uh, is really a real thing or whether or not he's <laughs> just a figment of my imagination. He no, had a mystery injury all season that kept him out. I think he saw minutes in one game uh, where he got subbed match, in. Right? And, no, no, no. Oh, I think no, late in the right. season he got subbed in in like the 77th minute in some garbage time uh, as one of those subs that just came in to run the clock down. Um, he can go. <laughs> I'm just was, saying. Yeah, yeah, that was a by Felicia moment, right? I there. mean, I, I think, haven't yeah. seen enough, and yeah. we did well without him. And I think we have enough of a core that we can survive without him. So I, there's no reason for me to think that we need to keep him or protect him. All right. So on to a harder question here. Uh, someone who I think we all have an immense amount of respect for. Someone who we feel you know has represented the club incredibly well, and that is Mr. Jordan Harvey. Will he be back? Yes, if he doesn't retire, he'll yeah, be back. yeah. That's if Jordan decides to retire, then no. But I think that if Jordan wants to play another season, he will be here. I think if he gets, he probably will threaten someone if they're thinking of choosing him in the expansion draft that he will retire. Like I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. Yeah, I think he comes back, and I think he comes back in a lesser role. I mean, again, we have a lot of games, and I think he becomes one of your cutbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and besides, who else is going to sing the Canadian national anthem? We we we, we need Kimmy C out there. That's so what I'm um, I think he comes back um, mostly because his wife wants to sing. Uh, no, I, oh my <laughs> gosh! Uh, I think that I mean Jordan's Jordan is a California boy. Yeah, and yeah. I think that. I think yeah, it's his last season, and then he retires the following season and goes into the coaching staff. I also feel like he, you know would like to see this team finish, you know, finish the race, you know? And I think that, I think everyone on LAFC believes that we have the formula to do it, you know? So I think anybody who is considering retirement would be foolish to do so. And he wore one of my Guy Fox masks at the meet and greet over at uh, Total Wine in Northridge. So, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, obviously someone that I have an immense amount of respect for, 
for his media ability. Um, so, all right, we're, we're running a little long, so we got about 10 minutes left here, so let's try and charge through the rest of the team. Dejan Djokovic, 33 years old. I don't see him coming back. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't see, protect them. I don't. No, he's not protected. But I don't see us, you know, trading him. I mean, he might get traded. But I, he's another one that, if he does nothing different and we keep him, he's on the roster as a sub. But it's not. K, we know is staying. That brings us to Tyler Miller. We've discussed. He might go. By the way, there's yeah. a market for him. Yeah, so there is. Yeah. Especially in Canada, where he is beloved, apparently. Yeah. Um, and I think Europe, you know? too. Some of those. Yeah. Like, I mean, if someone I, came I, in with a big th- enough offer for him, I would take it. I don't see a team. I don't see him leaving L.A. for a team in Canada. It, to play in the same league? Why would you leave a team? Oh, yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you. I said that's why I said Europe. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah, but I'm just, yeah, I, I agree. If he well, no, in, I just think if someone came to LAFC and said, you know, we'll give you X amount of money for him. Um, I, I don't know. Here's a hypothetical. Let's say Toronto wins the cup, Bradley retires. You don't think there's a market for him going back home to fulfill that? Well, role? if Toronto wins the cup, that automatically um cashes in Bradley's option for next year at a little over six million dollars. So Oh really? Yeah. If Whoa, they win the cup tidbit. if they win the cup, his contract is automatically validated for next season at like six point five one million dollars or something like that. Like it's it's a serious chunk of change, right? Yeah. So uh well, good I, for him. I think if Toronto wins the cup, it's guaranteed that he stays. If Toronto loses the cup, then there's the option that he could go. All right, but, let's go to Toronto. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, just just so that he cashes in there. Um, Lee win. I think as if Lee does. Uh, actually, I think Lee goes on somewhere else. You think so? Yeah, because I heard that. I mean, I had heard at the beginning of the season that Lee wanted a bigger role, and. I think that he is going to look for an opportunity to play more. He, I think that Lee is still someone that can play, and I think that he might look for a team that he is able to play more. I think, you know, we keep him if we can, but if he wants to go on, then yeah, it is I, what it is. I'm not saying I want to g- see him go. Yeah. I would like to see him stay, but I... I definitely think he's on the cusp of one of those players that could be taken in an expansion draft. Yeah, uh, If he was left unprotected, I would expect him to be one of the most sought-after players. Uh, but, I mean, you know, again, he does come with a little bit higher price tag. Yeah. There, You know, I mean, obviously he has had some issues with his previous teams with whether he wanted to play for them or not, and that affected his performance. Um, he's not that far removed from being an MVP caliber performer. Um, obviously, I think he wants a bigger role. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to have that role with LAFC. Now, again, you know, lots of competition next year. Um, so if, you know, we're playing in four I mean, he'll different... he'll see the field. Yeah. He just yeah. probably won't be a starter. Uh, he, he He's better in a 4-4-2 diamond type system where he plays a free number 10. Agreed. So yeah. here at LAFC, the, you're more of a two-way midfielder, and that's one of the struggles in the system that he has at times. At times, he's also performed well, so... If he wants a bigger role where he doesn't have the same responsibilities, and I think he could leave. Uh, Cheeky P, we know we stole him from Barcelona, so he's obviously staying with us. That brings us to a trio of Perez's. So, Josh, Adrian, Javi. Okay, Javi had, Javi had his leg injury, and if Javi goes, he goes. I, I mean, I think that there's a potential there, but it's not enough, I think, to even... Break break the eighteen right now. Uh, Adrian, 
I think Adrian showed a lot of character and heart uh, from where he started at the beginning of the season to where he ended. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that um, we had gotten rid of Christian and then Dio was uh, in the uh, treatment center. So there was an opportunity for next man up. Uh, I think that Adrian is going to be someone that will be on the roster, but he won't see much playing time next year. Yeah. Uh, Josh, on the other hand, I think that I, I really Josh is my new Andre Horta. Like I really want to see him like do well. Like I really I wanna... was like I don't know where you're going with that. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was like, uh, <laughs> well, no, the... because I was like you know it's like Andre Horta. Like we I, everyone was disappointed with him, and I was a really big Andre Horta supporter, and I wanted to see him do well. So now my uh, efforts are now for Josh Perez. I really want to see Josh do well. I think everyone wanted Horta to do well. He's just. He just didn't didn't want to himself. I feel like didn't want to be. Well, in the hopefully system. he does well because we still have some of that sell-on value there. Yeah, and Josh Perez is twenty-one years old. Yeah, he's young. I, I'd want to keep him. I can also see a market for him, and if he's not protected, someone might take him because there's a lot of potential there. I think of all the players on our roster that would be unprotected, it would be a bit surprising for someone to go after him. Thirteen games, one goal, one assist. I just don't know if that's enough production for the likes of a Nashville or a Cincinnati to feel that, I mean, not Cincinnati, excuse me, um, you know, to go after him and Miami. think that, Nashville, Miami. Yeah. yeah. To think that he's, you know, the player that they're going to take. So I'm going to have to agree. Javi Perez, see how he comes back from injury. No one's taken him coming off an injury. I don't think any of them, in my opinion, are, are in line to be taken in a draft spot. Unless just based on the salary portion of it, That's you know, I mean. another team sees him as, uh, or one of those three of them as, as an inexpensive way to fill a hole there. I see Nashville kind of yeah. being in that role versus my, Miami's one. They want to make a splash. I see yeah. Nashville more of a hard hat situation, prudent, and that could be a good investment. Yep. All right. So we just got a couple left here. We already know what we're doing with Segura's staying, Rodriguez is staying. Uh, we're pretty sure that uh, Carlos Vela is probably going to stay. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think he there are some very talk clear. about selling Zimmerman. That that conversation no, has signed, been floated. He just re-signed a four-year contract with us. I, it's like half not, a mil a year. No, we're not, we're not selling him. So here's the big question, Diego Rossi. Diego's Do- gone. I, I think that there was European t- clubs were looking at him during the uh, last transfer window in the summer. Fiorentina, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that he finished the season. I mean, he was in third in goals, right? Behind Carlos and Zlatan? No, he's fourth because of Joseph. Oh, that's right. Okay. So he was four, but I mean, fourth. Top five, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that he had a lot of goals. He had a, a good amount of assists and. 17 goals, eight assists on the season, right? I, yeah. I mean, that's that's great. In 36 know? games, 25 points. Yeah. That's. So I think, I think Diego's gone. You yeah. know, his market value is high. Um, Fiorentina and some other Italian teams are looking at him. I think he'd be good in that league. Or what even do you think we get for him? The Spanish league. I think. I think ten or eleven. I think ten to twelve, somewhere in that range, is what I'm predicting. Because eight was eight was the offer from Fiorentina, mm-hmm. and right. that we said no, and I think we originally wanted thirteen. Right. So I think that ten, eleven. I think he's gone, and I think it works also better for the system to have Rodriguez on the left. Silva and Vassell are the only two we haven't discussed so far. Do you think? They're in line to be taken. I don't. I don't think that Danilo comes back. Or I mean, okay, he's I, coming if, off an injury too. He yeah, I mean, if Dan- if, thirty-two years old. I mean, yeah. If De- if Danilo's here, he'll play. On he only occasion. played in five games for us this year. Yeah, yeah. I. I don't. 
It's a good backup. Yeah, he's he's definitely someone that we would want to keep as a potential backup. He he's, he's another one that's again like a Beta Shore or Harvey or. Well, he should have. He was, I think, projected to be the starter. Segura just snatched it from him. Well, that's what happened. We also, I think, we also signed Danilo before we signed Segura. We did. Yeah, yep. we re-signed Danilo yep. off of the loan we had off yeah. of him because, mm-hmm. and I think that we had re-signed Danilo before we had re-signed Zimmerman. Yep. So it was, it, I think it was just kind of like hedging our bets yeah. when we re-signed him. And then when Zimmerman came back and when we got Segura, it was just like, oh, okay, we're Well, we're Segura still had to perform and take that from him. That's um, true. But Peter Levisell, last guy, and then we'll close it out. I think if he's not drafted, he looks like an exciting prospect. He was exciting in the beginning of the season. And then I think uh, Latif solidified the midfield and it didn't really give Peter an opportunity to play much anymore. I think he just turned 21. Yeah. Incredibly young. He was drafted, I think, at but age he 19. Wasn't, you know, oh, no, he, in February. His birthday's in February. He'll be 22 in February. Still right. incredibly young. But he, you know, I mean, I don't even remember his name being on the 18 for much of the second half of the season. Nope. No, but he's a good player. He's in the, you know, with the reggae boys, national team, a, a starter at times at such a young age. I think his potential is there. So He was the number one player in the Caribbean combine when mm-hmm. we got him. Yeah. You know who we didn't talk about? Tyler. We did. Well, well, I mean, I think we sort of touched on that. but you, Well, we talked about him potentially being drafted. Yeah. If he doesn't get drafted. So, okay, we'll, we'll finish our conversation with our keeper. So what are your thoughts on Miller, his season? Do you think he's part of the future? I think he was solid, but he wasn't game-changing. And I, didn't, I don't have a lot of memorable saves. I think he had more last year than this year. But... I think he made lots of strides on his distribution and his sweeper-keeper ability. So I think that's the reason he was starting over Cisniega, because he had that aspect. And I think that's something that Bob values. I think that if you are going to sell one of your keepers, you sell him, because he was he has that notoriety where he can uh, be known as the starting goalkeeper for LAFC and get more value out of it. His salary is lower, so there is a bigger, I guess, delta there for the club. And I think Cis Diego was brought in as an investment, and he's being paid so much more. I think that you want to see what he has next year. And at a very minimum, he is a better kind of traditional keeper that is a shot stopper, and I think he can develop his distribution. Um, so that's my take on that. Uh, I, I've i always been a fan of Tyler, uh, and I, I don't know if I just have, you know, the black and gold colored glasses. I think he did very well, and I think that, He's also not going to be with us next year. I think he's going to have other suitors. Yeah, and I yeah, think that LAFC exactly. is going to hear these other suitors, and I think that they are going to accept an offer and give him an opportunity to play somewhere else. Yeah, I think he's, he probably I, sells Outside for... of the MLS. Yeah, I, I don't think he plays for another team in the MLS. I think he goes and plays somewhere else. $2 million probably, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Someone will come in and swoop in. I think any offer north of $1.5 million for him, we take. You know, and I, I mean, I think that him going on, being a call-up on the roster for the Gold Cup shows yeah. that there are people that think highly enough of him, yeah. right? Oh, and his character and uh, his behavior off the pitch have been yeah. exemplary. He has been, you know, arguably one of the most uh, prolific forces in the community you know, I mean, he's at every event for the club. You know, he's out there with his charitable works. Uh, you know, what he has done for the community, 
him as a person, I don't think we can speak highly enough of what he's done to represent the team in that regard. And I think that speaks volumes to his value uh, if another club were to come in and get him because you know you're getting a person that has that character. Uh, and I think that that's something that increases his value as well, too. But I would have to agree, I don't think he's won games for us. And I think you you need a keeper that is going to have that next level of ability if you're going to talk about winning Champions League, you know, making it all the way through a cup run. You need a keeper that is just a notch above where he's at. Um, and so I agree. I, I think he goes. So that, that that makes our way through the roster. We've pretty much touched up on everything we wanted to discuss today as far as what players we think we'd keep, what players we think we'd sell. Um, I think next week we'll probably talk about what's been going on in the league because there's some crazy stuff that's been going around uh, as far as who's been moving from what team to the next. Um, so I think that's what we'll dive in next week. Uh, hopefully everyone joins us on Sunday to watch the MLS Cup final at the D9 Clubhouse in North Hollywood. Please come know. on by. I don't even know if I want to watch the game. Well, does it doesn't mean if you're there, you're probably going to be hanging out anyway. No, I'm just talking about in general. Like I, I agree with you. I, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, we should be in this. We should be at the bank on Sunday. Hosting. You don't want to root for Bradley to make his $6 million check and uh, hope care. the refs already haven't decided that Seattle wins. I could um, care less. I like I actually I guess it's I couldn't care less. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so real quick, we just wanted to highlight what's going on with Latif Blessing's work in the community for Share the Blessing Football. Um, this is an opportunity for people to train with Latif Blessing. It's going to take place Saturday, November sixteenth in Yorba Linda. Uh, you have a chance um, for uh, your two thousand eight, nine, and ten teams to play between nine and ten a.m. Two thousand five, six, and seven teams to play between ten thirty and eleven. Uh, you can uh, contact them uh, by uh, finding Latif online on his social media account, uh, which I'm sure you guys are all following. So if you get a chance to participate in the Share the Blessing, uh, that would be a real great thing to do for the community. Yep. But, and I think all the proceeds he's putting into his foundation and going back to Ghana to, to make sure that um, his village and community have access to some of the things that he didn't have uh, growing up there. So uh, we'll continue to have the show in the off season, um, bringing you the content that we can talk about the off season moves and situations. Uh, we also are going to keep you guys abreast of whatever community events and involvement there is. And um, if any of you want to come and tell your story, please do so. You know, the, yeah. the couch is always open. The studio is always open to or have you. Or if you have events that are going on within the community you'd like us to help share about, please reach out to us in that regard as well, too. Um, before we end the show out, I just wanted to say a sincere thank you to all of our fans who've been with us through our first season as a show. Thank you to my pod brothers, Chris and Christian here, the opportunity to be a part of this show and, and what this has meant to all of us in our lives and this, this portion of the community has been a really a blessing in my life as well too and you know to all the fans who listen to this uh and make this possible that this is something we can bring to the community week in and week out you guys are amazing people out there and we love you all thank you so much for that and that'll wrap up the 2019 season as yeah. we get into our off-season podcast next week keep it keep a lookout because uh you know the 3252 along with lafc do a lot of off-season charities and givings, uh, especially with the holidays coming up. So keep in mind uh, our social media accounts at LAFCS2S will be uh, having all of those details with that. 
Take us home, six.